Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I do want to let you know that if you want to hear the home team broadcast, we have Michael Borky. You can listen to Super Talk if you are in the viewing area or listening area. But if you are not, you can listen to it on SiriusXM Channel 191. That's Saturday at 2.30, Ole Miss versus Alabama. It's a CBS game, but if you want to hear David Kellum and you're out of the Super Talk market, you can check it out with SiriusXM Channel 191 or the SXM app. Search Ole Miss Rebels. The Locked On Ole Miss podcast is there as well. I am joined by Michael Borky, and I wanted to have you in. Uh, you've been requested every single week this year, by the way, hey. Michael. You should be very proud of that. But um, I wanted to save you until a big game, and I figure this Alabama game is kind of a big game. Yeah, it's it's huge. And what is so fascinating about this game is there's a lot of prove it. I, I like putting labels on weekends. If if any of your audience listens to the radio show, I love slapping a label on a weekend in college football. And this one to me is is prove it. I mean, you've got Ohio State, Notre Dame. Is the quarterback really the difference at Notre Dame? Well, prove it. You've got Ohio State at home. Sam Hartman's there. Show me. Is Clemson really falling off? Well, you've got Florida State at home this weekend. Prove it. And on and on and on. You can do that with every, every almost every matchup this weekend anyway. Mississippi State, it's only four games into Zach Arnett's tenure, but are you actually able to, to do this job? Well, this is, you got to prove it this weekend. And same thing with Ole Miss and Alabama for different reasons, right? For, for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, it's, look, it's year four. The, the, the program and the fans are heavily invested in you more so than they have ever been with any coach ever, and it's not even close, really. And this is an opportunity to get a win in Tuscaloosa that just doesn't come. I mean, as much as everybody listening to this loves Ole Miss and thinks really highly of Ole Miss, and they should, the resources at Ole Miss are not the same as Alabama. Expecting a win in Tuscaloosa with regularity isn't an unreal, it's a completely unrealistic expectation. But this one does feel different. And it's not like you have to be perfect either. You don't have to be gimmicky. You don't have to get lucky. You don't have to have a snap over a quarterback's head where he just kind of throws it and it bounces off a defensive back and into the hands of Attaboyjo and he goes and scores a touchdown. That doesn't have to be this week. They just have to play well. So can Lane Kiffin in year four of a program, which he hasn't seen yet, build and sustain Ole Miss to a point where they can take advantage of a down Alabama and go to Tuscaloosa and win a game and be competitive in the SEC West. Prove it to me. And this is a perfect opportunity for him to prove it to us this weekend. I'm excited as hell to watch this football game, if we're being honest. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I've described this on my show as a corner game because you always hear coaches talking about we're close to torn, turning the corner. We're about to try and reach the corner. It, it, just around the bend is where we want to be. Well, this is the corner game. If you win this game, this is the difference between in 2023, Ole Miss being a mid-tier SEC team and Ole Miss team with the ability to compete uh, in the SEC and be an upper echelon team in this league this year. And that's something that Ole Miss has they haven't been able to even think about a step like that since 2003 in LSU no and the sustainability is something that I uh, I am really focused on with Lane Kiffin for however long he's at Ole Miss is is can he sustain because there's been the highs Hugh Freeze had highs Houston Nutt had a couple of highs I mean 
you can win at Ole Miss. Coaches over the years, Cutcliffe, all these guys have proven it in small doses. And despite the end of last season being what it was, I use this stat all the time. I, I'm a broken record. Lane Kiffin has won 18 games over the last two seasons. Only Alabama and Georgia and the SEC have won more. It's, it's impressive. And so can you turn that into building as opposed to what you've seen with Ole Miss in the past? You've had these highs, you've been to the Sugar Bowl, and then bottom drops out. And losing to Alabama would not be the bottom dropping out. No. That, that is not at all what I'm saying. But going there and playing well and then turning around a week later and playing well again and, and being a consistently good football team on a weekly basis that's competitive at the top of your league is something that, at least to my knowledge, Ole Miss hasn't done in quite some time on an annual basis. Do that again this year. Play well Saturday. Play well against LSU. Beat Arkansas like you should. Go into the bye week with – then you start feeling like Lane Kiffin has got the sustainability part of this down. And that would be huge. And, and it starts this weekend. Yeah, and, and one of the big keys in this game is going to be the play of Jackson Dart. Now, I have, I'm of the opinion that the next, what is it, 10 days or whatever, the Alabama and the LSU game, after this is over, we'll determine whether or not Jackson Dart is able to go to that top five, that, that elite Mount Rushmore type list of Ole Miss quarterbacks, and, or he's just a very good quarterback. This, this, is, this, this is his legacy period, in my opinion. Yeah, and he's got to be really, really good to win this game. You know, breaking news, more to 11. It's why I get paid the big bucks. The quarterback has to play well on the road to win a game. Uh, imagine <laughs> that. But um, I think what you've seen so far – I'm sorry. I, anyway, sorry. I just had a really loud noise in the house and nobody's here. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I think Jensen Dart has – elevated his floor this Saturday LSU Arkansas we're going to find out what his ceiling is but he has ele clearly elevated his floor and what I mean by that is Tulane and Georgia Tech aren't uh, SEC teams at least not most of them I, I think Ole Miss will play two teams that have a worse roster moving forward this season than Tulane and possibly Georgia Tech, although I'm not exactly convinced that Georgia Tech wouldn't beat like an Arkansas or even a Mississippi State right now. But point being, those aren't the best teams that he's going to play. And yet, those games got weird. The, the Tulane game was weird because the, the, like his offensive line was getting beaten up early and it's on the road and, and it's hot and, and things weren't going perfect. And yet, through the course of the game, he was still able to make plays and deliver accurate footballs despite being under duress for the majority of the game and made plays with his feet. And then Georgia Tech happens, and they have these long drives, Georgia Tech does, in the first half. And Ole Miss only had four offensive possessions in the first half. And there was a handful of drops mixed in there. There was a drop touchdown pass. There was a couple of other drops in the first half. And things weren't exactly going well for Ole Miss in, in both of those games early. And what Jackson Dart did was not get frustrated, was not allow those moments and the weirdness of those two games, is the word I'm going to keep using, to impact his play. In fact, he, he took that and improved on it and got better as those games went on and stayed in it and made plays. And fourth quarter Jackson Dart in both of those games have been absolutely excellent. 
And you see other experienced quarterbacks in similar situations around the country not respond in the same way that that Jackson Dart did the last two weeks. He has been extremely impressive in staying in it, making plays, not getting frustrated, going about his business and executing, especially in the second half. And because of that, they comfortably covered the, the spreads despite how close the games were for periods of time. So seeing what I've seen from Dart the last two weeks makes me feel really good about what his capacity going on the road in Tuscaloosa in front of 100,000 people against a much better team because even though Alabama is certainly better than Georgia Tech in Tulane, you've seen a guy that has not been rattled or frustrated or flustered in weird moments. And that was not Jackson Dart last year. So what you've seen two weeks, price of poker goes up, but you should be really encouraged about how those games went and how he played in those games going into what will be a frustrating and difficult environment. You know, and that that is an interesting point with um, Jackson Dart because he has answered every challenge that Ole Miss coaches and fans have given to him. And he's honestly exceeded expectations moving forward. Every Everything you need. For example, in Alabama, you talk about it being a difficult environment. Matt Corral, for as great as Matt Corral was, Ole Miss's offense got off to a slow start in 2021 in Tuscaloosa. That game was essentially over at halftime. Um, now, we can argue that some play calls and some decisions that probably affected that, but it was still basically over at halftime. In the second half, they were fine. They played well. They moved the ball at will, um, did what they need to do. They ended up losing the game 42-21. to 21. The key in this game for Jackson Dart, I think, will be not lose the game by the thought of what Alabama is supposed to be. Not, not lose the game to the numbers on the side of the helmet, the elephant call, the 37 national championships they run out in pregame. Not lose that when everybody's amped up at the beginning because Alabama has a way to kind of engulf you. If you look at Ole Miss in 2000 and 2002, now granted this is probably before your time, um, but Ole Miss had Eli Manning and Romero Miller at that time, and Ole Miss had probably the better football team than Alabama at that moment. That was a period in the um, Vault Hemingway Stadium in 2001. Ole Miss beat them in 2003. Eli beat them. In 2000 and 2002, Alabama won 42 to 7 and 45 to 7 with a worse football team statistically on paper. Weird things happen in that stadium. They do. And, and Mike Leach, rest his soul, uh, talked about his team. Uh, in that regard, I mean, I think he said it multiple times uh, where the jersey, the name, beat his team before they took the field. That that they saw Alabama and they they were beat before the ball was even snapped because that's what they saw. It's like the Tiger Woods effect as well. I mean, golf is not football, obviously, where, you know, you're not lining up across from somebody and you're beating your heads in. You are controlling yourself and your game and there's no defense you just play but when Tiger Woods was in his prime guys would be playing well and, and, and up on the leaderboard and then Tiger would make a couple of putts and they would see his name show up on the leaderboard and they would shrivel up and play poorly it's just the the presence of Tiger Woods would cause them to to play poorly and, and so that has been a thing with Alabama in the past I don't think though that Ole Miss is going to be afraid of them. I, no. Aside from the presence and the confidence of Lane Kiffin, uh, sure seems confident this week, uh, but Pete Golding being there. But but those guys watch film. And it's anecdotal. I don't like being able to say things like this and not point to like a stat that backs this up, but 
it's clear that teams are not afraid of Alabama anymore. They don't have that same, well, it's Alabama, intimidation factor. South Florida wasn't afraid of them last week. They played well early. They, Texas goes in there and, and dominates, and, and we saw it last year as well that the aura of Alabama, I think, is kind of going away where I, I have a feeling if you would ask Ole Miss players, they've said the right things this week that, you know, it's Bama's Bama. They've got great players, but I feel like deep down, they're not going to go in there thinking, I've got to be perfect today. I can't make a single mistake, and if I do, we're done. It's over. There, there is a a comfort, or there should be a comfort this week with this team to to relax and, and just and play within yourself. Because if you do that, you don't have to be special to go in there and win. You just have to be yourself. Because I think this Ole Miss team, if they play to their capabilities without being special, if you get my point, they can win this game. You don't have to be perfect and win Saturday. You just have to be your best. And if you're your best, you will win. Well, if you look at last year in the game, if Zach Evans does not get hurt in that game, almost wins that football game. And it took Bryce Young putting on a Superman cape and coming through to win that football game. So Jackson Dart and all these players, and, and when, let's not even talk what happened to Jackson Dart in that game. I'm sure that's in the back of his mind as well. Uh, but – this Ole Miss yeah. team saw last year that they were unlucky to lose the ball game. And they even still had the ball in the air on the last play of the game with a chance to win with a pass into the end zone. Yep. So I don't know if Ole Miss is going in this game intimidating. I think they're extremely confident. They realize that they are, what, seventh in the country in scoring offense right now without their predictive before season, preseason three of their top weapons on the field and they're all world running back, not performing at his level. They know they are hit nowhere near their ceiling. I, I can see why they would be confident. Absolutely. And then th that's the question right, is, is how healthy uh, are they going to be and how effective effective health is different than health, right? Is, is Caden Prescorn going to play? I'd be shocked if he didn't, but how effective is he going to be? That's kind of the key to this one, because as we talked about last time, and it's so true, the effectiveness of this offense increases so much with even just good tight end play. And quite frankly, they haven't gotten that yet. They really haven't gotten good tight end play yet. There's been some flashes where it's like, oh, okay, I can see the talent there, but that's all it's been. And based on what everybody has said about Caden Prescorn, he is a complete tight end, an NFL caliber tight end that is a willing blocker and capable can catch passes, can run routes, a, a, a very complete tight end that this offense hasn't had for a full season and now three games. Mm -hmm. And so how effective can he be? Because if he is capable of, of giving you something, then that should open up this offense in ways that you know Nick Saban's going to be prepared for for Caden Prescorn. Of course he is. But they have yet to see how Ole Miss plans to use him on film yet. So – it's bad that he hasn't played yet, you know, coming off of an injury. How effective is he going to be? But also, Kevin Steele or T-Rob or whoever's calling plays over there uh, has not seen how Ole Miss plans to use Caden Priestcorn yet. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at a situation um, with Ole Miss and everybody says, hey, these players coming back from injury, you, you, there's always going to be rust. You will hear that. There's always going to be rust with players coming back from injuries. And, and my counterpoint to that is 
you don't ha- need them to be the dude. You have the talent to win this game even without them. All you need them to do is provide a threat to put the thought in the other team's head that they could be used to where they have to pr- um, call their defense a little bit differently. Because Nick Saban is from the Bill Belichick defensive school, and he is going to find out what you're best at, and he's going to take that away. Now, if you have more stuff that he needs to think about taking away, there's a chance that he could make a mistake in trying to take that away. There's a chance that he might not be sure about what your best secondary option could be. It's not a situation. It's like, hey, we need to either take Quinshawn Judkins away or Jordan Watkins. That's a situation that Nick Saban would probably win in this situation. It if it was that simple, but you need him to at least worry about Caden Priestcorn, worry about Sakari Franklin, just a little bit, just the threat of making a play every now and then so that he can't get comfortable in his defense and just say, okay, Ole Miss is about to run inside zone again to Quinshawn. Let's go. Yeah, the punch-counterpunch in this game would be so hmm. fascinating. I, I, You know, I'm not a coach, so I, I certainly don't watch games the same way they do, and, and there are things that – that I don't see that they see and, and all that, of course. But this will be, at least it should be, Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss Jr. at their absolute best. I mean, you've got, I see uh, on the on the screen here, you have Lane Kiffin really wants this game. Uh, absolutely. I mean, he, he puts, <laughs> and, and you know, some people have been critical of that. He puts too much emotional effort into this game. And, you know, somebody said that to me about last year. And I said, no, they played well last year. They coached well last year. It was after the game, that was the problem, not the game itself. But uh, that's going off on a tangent. This is when you're going to see the creativity at its absolute best from Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss in the Ole Miss offense. And, and you are going to see things Saturday that you haven't seen yet. Tight end aside, uh, put Priest Corn aside. Let's pretend that he doesn't play. You're still going to see things from this offense that you have yet to see th- this season. And you know, they're going to have to be creative because although Ole Miss's offensive line did play better against Georgia Tech than they did Tulane, it's still Alabama. The front six is still really talented. I, I wouldn't expect Ole Miss to, to dominate and control the line of scrimmage the, the way they did last week. So they're going to have to be a little bit more creative. And that creativity is exciting because this is one of the best offensive minds in college football calling a game that he so desperately wants to win. And, and that will lead to that will lead to things that if you're just watching comfortably, you're going to enjoy the hell out of the way this game is going to get called. At least I think you will. Now, this is getting whooped up front. Nothing matters. But if they are able to at least control the line of scrimmage to some degree, you're going to see creativity that you don't get to see very often. And that is really exciting. You know, and you mentioned this earlier, but we talk about with the return of Caden Prescorn, if he plays some and how effective he could be, this is one way that he could have an effect on a game that nobody is really thinking about. And as I've been an advent uh, um, person that has been advocating for 12 personnel for six months in Ole Miss's offense. With the return of Caden Prescorn, if you have Kyron Heath as the back end, your inline tight end H-back is set. Michael Trigg can move outside and be kind of the wide receiver. He's more of a flex receiver than he is a tight end, and he he might be able to do a little bit something more. If you were talking about creativity, that is one avenue that could happen. And and if Trey Harris doesn't play, move Jordan Watkins outside, Zachary Franklin, and you have something that can go. I I, I, lo- I love the chess match that could happen in this game, and I think that Lane has been holding some stuff back early in the season. 
Oh, you know it. You absolutely. Mm. I, I'm curious about Zachary Franklin. That that is one that, I mean, apparently Trey Harris is, according to Lane anyway, has been at practice. But what does that mean? Out we, there, out there, whatever <laughs> that means. But Zachary Franklin is a guy that you know may not have like the the Chris Olave or Marvin Harrison Jr. type upside, but a, a highly, highly, highly productive college wide receiver coming off of an injury, but. You know, if he's a full go on Saturday, what can he give you? Because he may not even be Trey Harris. But from what we think we know about Zachary Franklin, it's a better option than what they've been putting out there in Trey Harris's absence. Watkins has been very good. They play different positions. But that that's something that I'm really curious about is what can he give you? Because if if he can give you something – what he was at UTSA, even against the better teams he played, is a guy that can have a huge impact in this game. Just how healthy is he? Yeah. Zachary Franklin, I think, is at the point where he just needs to loosen up. He's in that post-surgery mode, so he's going to get better the more he plays. Trey Harris, I'm not sure about. It might be a situation that could slow him down. And the question that I have, and this is going to be one of the weirdest things, and people are going to yell at the screen, and they're going to put comments in there, and I'm about what I'm about to say. Maybe you always should not play Trey Harris in this game. If if he is at 70% now, and the best you would get is to 75% after this game against LSU, but if he sat out this game, he was 90%. That helps you on down the line this season. Because honestly, like I said, and this everything I say goes with the caveat. If four and five star players play like four and five star players, Alabama is going to be difficult to beat, period. But in a situation to where if everything goes to chalk without Trey Harris, Ole Miss can beat Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, I think I'm with you because especially if there's risk of re-injury, if he's not a hundred percent, if he's still hobbled and it's like, Hey, you know, he makes the wrong cut or whatever, then it could be bad. Then it may, I mean, you, you've got, eight more games after this one. And, you know, Alabama is not the only game remaining on your schedule. Uh, yeah, I, I would be surprised if he plays, frankly. I, I told the radio audience yesterday, I said, expect pre-scoring, he'll play. Be pleasantly surprised if Trey Harris takes the field. Don't expect it, but if he, if he shows up, great. But if not, it's not like he was set back in the timeline or anything like that. It's just couldn't get uh, on the field fast enough for sure. And then on the other side, you talk about everything going to chalk. Alabama, in their front six on defense, is still great. There are still mm -hmm. dudes everywhere. On the other side, it's been awful. Awful. And as, as athletic as Milrow is, if that's going to continue, Ole Miss should have success up front. Uku's been good. You know, Cedric Johnson gets penetration all the time. Just he's not able to complete plays right now. It's it's actually kind of frustrating to watch. There are so many opportunities for him to to make tackles for loss and sacks, and he just something just goes wrong. And he but still, Ivy's been good. Pegues has been good. Akalo Stone was a guy that kind of just flew under the radar in terms of transfer. Everybody's like, well, he's just a depth piece. You know, we'll see. He's been really good and effective. Mm -hmm. That old Miss defensive line, while not perfect. Not the best personnel that Pete Golding's going to have uh, with the way he's recruiting, but they've been effective. And I expect them to have a good day again 
on Saturday, even though it's Alabama. It's just South Florida was able to control the line of scrimmage. Texas obviously did. Hell, Middle Tennessee State exposed some things on Alabama up front. I think Ole Miss has a real chance defensively of of controlling the line of scrimmage, which isn't something we've been able to say very often about them in recent history. But they're playing well. They've got a lot of guys that they rely on as well. It's not four guys. It's, what, nine that they play and play with regularity. And despite the helmet and the logo on the chest, this is a very vulnerable offensive line they're going to be up against on Saturday. You know, it's absolutely nuts because I was sitting here doing all my breakdowns and I do like keys to the game and what to watch for and all of that. And the thing that I've worked towards, and I was like, over the course of the week, I try and figure out what Ole Miss needs to worry about. What What is the thing that is going to get Ole Miss this week if, if it happens? And what I came up with is explosive plays by Jalen Milrow because he's actually a good deep ball thrower. And Ole Miss has given up explosives to Mercer, to Tulane, and um, Georgia Tech had a couple of busts as well. That happens against Jalen Milrow, and you allow Alabama to get, say, in the high 20s, low 30s scoring. I think this offense could have trouble scoring because Alabama is good enough defensively to make that hard on you. But if you limit explosive plays to none, um, enforce Alabama to drive the field on you, this, this feels like an Alabama team that's 17 points, 20 points. That That's kind of their ceiling. And all, I think Ole Miss wins that game. The way this game could get squirrely is if Jalen Milrow is able to hit a couple of deep balls, there's a couple of busts in the secondary, and Alabama is somewhere in the 31 to 34 points range. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm curious to see how to try to try to prevent that. that and as I understand it, again, I'm not a coach, but the, the concept of just having a spy where it's just like one guy, your responsibility is quarterback, and you just sit there and just mirror him is not all that common. But they do have, they'll have like responsibilities and stuff, of course. But this idea that just put Centarian Perkins in the middle and just have him look at Jade Milrow and, and, and that, that's it. That's not really what they're going to do, I don't think. No. But how do they approach that? Because if he is able to break contain, you're exactly right. Good deep ball thrower. I don't think he can beat you if you keep him within the pocket, though, for four quarters. He can beat you if, if you're not getting home with four and you're bringing an extra guy and he breaks contain and takes off. That's how he's going to beat you. So how is Pete Golding going to try to, to counter uh, that? Will it be a combination of Centarian Perkins and, and Ladarius Tennyson or, or you know, maybe going a little bit smaller uh, to try to counteract that? Or is Alabama going to line up and try to run bully ball at you? Uh, because despite Ole Miss's defensive line playing a little bit better, um, teams have run the football on them. Uh, a, you know, you look at the numbers and Tulane average, what, two and a half per carry and Georgia Tech was like three and a half per carry, something like that. So in totality, not so much. But there were times where Ole Miss defensively gave up some chunk plays on the ground. That punch count punch thing I mentioned earlier. How is Pete Golding got to stop Milrow, and how is Alabama going to uh, approach Ole Miss Ole, Ole Miss's defense? Are they going to just line up and run right at him and, and dare you to to be physical with us, or is it going to be we've got this athlete, we don't think you're athletic enough to contain him, let's go? And how does Pete Golding try to counter that? I, I have no idea. Yeah, what what I think is going to happen is you're, I think you're going to see Ole Miss play a lot of zone coverage so the eyes are in the backfield because if you play man coverage against Jalen Milrow, that 
that is a recipe for explosive runs at some point at some point in the football game. I think um, you've seen Santarian Perkins and you've seen Ladarius Tennyson line up at the ends on either side of the line of scrimmage. Whichever one is on the right-hand side of it will probably have an extreme contain to where not necessarily they're rushing. That's when occasionally, if it's third down, they're going to spy. But I think Tennyson and Perkins are going to alternate what's going on, depending on, I guess, maybe where the strength of the formation of what Alabama is running. But I think this game will be entirely about bend but don't break. Alabama's offense has not shown the ability to this point, to sustain drives. They need big plays to score. So I think Pete Golding is going to line up. You're going to see Ole Miss doing drop eight. You're going to see Ole Miss playing some soft zone, for lack of a better word, and they're going to force Alabama to try and um, drive the ball. Now, Alabama is going to see that, and they're going to try and hand the ball to Roydell Williams and their stable of running backs, and they're going to try and play murder ball. That, that is what Nick Saban wants to do. Um, so that will be the chess match is can you get Ole Miss out of that soft defense to allow Jalen Milrow a chance to make explosives? I think that is the question moving mm-hmm. forward in this game. And can they do it? I mean, mm-hmm. o- despite the coverage bus, Ole Miss in the secondary, DeAndre Prince has been really good. Saunders yeah. has been good. And I, I wonder how risky uh, Pete Golding is going to feel like he needs to be in this game where – hey, you've got to kind of load the box and put DeAndre Prince on an island and just hope it goes well. Uh, it, maybe that's how they have to approach it, where they they bring a lot of extra guys to, to stop the run and just dare Milrow to be. I, I, I'm i excited to see how they approach this. I, I think that despite the coverage busts, they are capable in the secondary of playing some man and being on island and being played. Can you avoid, though, the the mental mistakes in the coverage bus? Because you can't do that in Tuscaloosa. You did it twice on Saturday night, or at least that we know of, and possibly even more. Uh, but you, you, got, you got taken advantage of twice on Saturday. You do that twice this Saturday on defense, and it's tough to overcome. Yeah, and and the good news is you're not worried about – there's not Waddle over there. There's not Judy. There's, there's nobody in that wide receiver no. core that scares you the way that – Alabama wasn't. And see, this is the benefit of what Al- when Alabama in 2019 and 2020 was, there's a chance you could go over there, could be a little bit freaked out by the helmet when we talk about it, and you look up on the scoreboard and it's 28-0 in the first quarter. Yeah. That I don't think that can happen now. So even if there is a little bit of a slow start, you're looking at like 10 to 3. And something something manageable and not something to where it's just completely out of hand. Yeah, and they've been really good in the second half, too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, a, a slow start is not the worst thing. Now their M.O. is getting the ball and going down the field and scoring because uh, Kiffin and Weiss are the best script writers in college football, I swear. I mean, the opening mm-hmm. possession is is exclusively brilliant for this offense, but I wouldn't sweat a slow start. If you're watching the game at home, offense isn't moving the ball a little bit, I, I, at least based on precedent for this season, I wouldn't sweat that that much. They've been exceptional after halftime, and I wouldn't expect anything different this time either. I think you've got really smart people on both sides of the ball now, maybe lacking personnel on defense, but it is clear over the last two weeks anyway, despite the lesser opponents, that Ole Miss has been able during the course of a game to adjust and make plays as it goes on, and Saturday wouldn't surprise me if the same thing happens as well. All right. Before we get out of here today, um, give me a score prediction in this game. 
24-21. That's that, that you know, um, I'm leaning towards like 27 to 19. I'm thinking it's going to look more like 2014 than 20, 2015 if Ole Miss wins the game. Um, so I, I'm I'm kind of right there with you as well. Before you get out of here, I do want to say if if that does happen, if Ole Miss is able to pull out this game, which would be the heck, this one of the biggest wins that Ole Miss has ever gotten. If Ole Miss goes over and wins that, um, because of what it can mean, the next week leading up to that LSU game, can you imagine how bonkers that place will be for a week? I moved here in 2010. It would be by far the biggest weekend since I've lived in Mississippi. And based on talking to people and stuff, uh, nothing can compare except for 03 LSU. I mean, yeah. the, the the mania around Kiffin coming off of a win against Alabama, the reigning West champion coming to town. Game day will be back for sure for the second time ever. You can guarantee that. Um, it would Third. be – Oh, they're right. They they came to AM. That's right. Because we had the, <laughs> the, the Jumbo Fisher sign that cracked me up, where somebody mm-hmm. photoshopped Jimbo's face to make him look fat. And, <laughs> and then you had Jumbo Fisher. I, gosh, yeah, the, for the third time. But yeah, I mean, it, it would be in the best way an absolute zoo. Yeah, the closest thing I can think of other than that 2003 LSU game, because that, that was special, that was a different level in Oxford, would be the 2012. Texas game as far as people there was probably 200,000 people in Oxford that day yeah 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 because I was there and I went to the Grove it took me an hour to get from one side of the Grove to the other wow oh man that's almost that's almost too much but that no that that game will be unbelievable next Saturday. It'll be great either way, honestly, but God, get a win Saturday. And then that LSU game becomes historic. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 this is a big couple of weeks for almost football. We have to get through Alabama first. It's, it's funny that we're even talking about what LSU could be after Alabama, yeah. because that's something that even last year you wouldn't even think of being able mm-hmm. to do. Um, but it should be interesting. Like I said, nobody be surprised if a bunch of four or five star players play a game like a bunch of four or five star players. Nobody be surprised by that. But if it goes to chalk, Ole Miss should be in pretty good position as this game moves on. Anyway, Michael, thank you so much for this. And thanks everyone for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And of course, you can listen to the game on Super Talk, Michael's employer, or you can catch the game on SiriusXM channel 191 if you are out of the listening area um, or on the SXM app searching Ole Miss Rebels. The Locked On Ole Miss podcast is there as well. Anyway, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today, man. I can't wait to do it again. Of course, anytime.